And we're back. This is part two of Beyond the Moon Dreams of Madness, a Hylix 2 travelogue presented by the Hero of the Thousand Potions podcast and Gunblade Guys. No preamble, we're going straight in. Let's go! Back to the Wayne crew, we emerge outside of the Worm Pod. I check the console nearby, and it says, Worm, offline. Shield status, deactivated. Contact technician. I leave and fly my airship, not to the force-fielded habitation, but to the pneumatophore parkour course. At the end of three precise pneumatophore dashes, I enter what looks like a lonely temple. There is a hairy, dedus-type creature here, tending to a spinning key protected by a blue force field. It says, Whatever the door unlocks, it is likely deep underground, buried in the accretion. A red cord connects the force field to a hole where two poolmen, a warpo, and a truculent attack. Hold up, that's not a pool man. It's a pool magne, identical to the pool man aside from a crown of red spikes spinning above its amorphous rabbit-eared head. I soul crisper the pool magne, who counters with bleeds and slaps. After the fight, the cord terminates at a console displaying the cartoon Wayne again. Oh no, we're going to be platforming again, aren't we? Here we go. We're back in Xeno Arcadia. In this platformer stage, we begin in the Wayne Head-shaped rocket. A blue and green colored magic carpet awaits me, and I cruise along it, collecting bones as I dodge or blast enemies with my orange ray. After we're on the ground again, the usual enemies are here, but they're joined by cannons that track my movement before firing a braided red fireball that unfurls into another three after a short distance. First checkpoint. Good. I struggle through another section. Second checkpoint. An arrow under a house indicates that I go inside. I do, and I find a third checkpoint. Another door. This one opens to a sub-area where the lava levels are slowly rising and falling, like in a Super Mario game. Oh hey, I see another flashy wrench like the one that marked the end of the previous platforming stage. Stage clear, but something strange happens. My Wayne transforms into a large creature with a bull's skull, or maybe it's a wolf's skull with red arms, relaxing on a fold-up lawn chair with an umbrella unfolding over me, protecting me from the harmful rays of the sunless night. Fade to black. We're back in the 3D world, and I claim the deep key. I return to the airship. Well, what next? I feel like a major showdown is coming up in Foglast, so I afterlife tender meat and fondue to the glove shop in New Maldo. I buy another two tendril hands. Everyone but Samsnosa has it now. Okay, let's go to Foglast and see what's up with this ritual and the gibby debris they stole from it. I land on the Foglast island and cross treacherous land bridges to get to the fortress on the other side. When I enter, I feel a sense of ancient wonder. Two sphinx statues mark the entrance, each shaped like snub-nosed balloon animals carved out of stone, their faces shocked and insane. A demented, dried-out variation of a wane-colored glossy red says, Blub blub, have you come to witness the reconstitution? What a time to be alive, blub blub. I wander into a barren corner where another hairy Dedusmon type says a hidden chamber exists behind a sarcophagus. In my first battle, I meet a new enemy, Sowplit a robed, two-pronged dining fork made of pink flesh. Its robe has an upturned collar, like Dracula. It looks like a mage, or better yet, like a member of the crowd of cheering cultists in the cutscene that followed returning Blairall to New Moldol. I die in the following fight. Shit, these battles are hard. You cannot sleep on any regular battle in this game. An enemy squad's layers of defensive tools, debuffs, duplications, and charge-up attacks that burst or invite new horrors to the fight mean I must think very carefully about what order these foes must be destroyed or risk the game over girl's wrath. Anyways, afterlife. Neat. I don't even check with the fondue guy and just sink down into wherever. I reappear in a room I don't recognize, littered with bones. Am I back in Foglast? I didn't find the fondue switch to save that portal, but it's taken me here anyways. Was that a bug? Regardless, I get into a fight with three pool magnates, a syllabog, and a post dog. No idea if we're gonna survive this. And then I survive it. Two fights later, I score a jumpsuit. It's a defensive item that Wayne equips. I follow a red cord through a doorway at the top of an abstract-shaped tower. There's a blue force field here protecting a chest. Dead end. I follow the cord the other way. Another battle, another jumpsuit, another battle, and two pool magnets each multiply on turn one. I immediately abort mission to the afterlife. That doesn't count as Wayne is slain, right? Back to Foglast. New enemy. Bomalog. Bomalog? A tubby torso with three limp fins and a disembodied head that summons a homunculus on turn one, which is a shaking nightmare fetus connected to mama by a quivering umbilical cord. On the following turn, Bomalog sacrifices the homunculus to deal armor shred and burning to all crew members. Another mutant Wayne I see says warpos come from larvas ingesting too much pool wine. Hmm. A third says crowned poolmen are all part of Odozir's preparations for the reconstitution. He must mean the pool magnes. This cord I'm following leads me to a dead end, for it goes up a cliff I cannot climb. 
but above me I can see a line of floating bones suggesting I can air dash across the top of this room from some other unknown approach. Elsewhere, I air dash from one tower to another and find a shop, or a good buyer I should say, but he only allows me to sell. He's a buyer, he only buys. I sell all equipment I'm not using, and for the first time of this game I have more than a thousand bones. Near this buyer is a sphinx with a button instead of a balloon animal head. I stomp the button. Something happens but the force field protecting the treasure chest is still activated. New foe, Courtier. Courtier is a junk heap held together by strings and bubblegum and his helmet is a ripped purse. It can cast tube stake in which hot dogs fall from the sky and recover all enemies health to full. This thing is a burst healer and typically must go down first, but I don't know this in the first battle with the courtier and I am unable to sustain myself as fast as he can sustain his team and I die. Wayne is slain. I am positively punch drunk with game overs. Afterlife, cleanse, tender meat, fondue portal. I am running around this place not sure what to do next. I discover a door I haven't been inside yet on account of its delicious pyramid of glittering bones, but access to the other end of the room is blocked by another blue force field, so I turn back. I find a bridge that bisects the zone from a couple stories up and hop on a ledge. I'm ready to do a blind pneumatophore leap in any direction. I save my game and leap east. Incorrect. Reload. Leap northeast. Bingo. There is a silver I don't even fucking know anymore shimmying in front of a TV with a green couch behind him. This thing says it is a really strong TV and if I want to use it I need to pay 300 bones. I cough up the bones and he gives me a clicker. I use the clicker to access the TV. The usual earn a skill sequence plays but this time two CN enemies or self-aware organs commune with one another and we learn Link Mollusk. <laughs> According to the tooltip, when you use it, whatever negative status effects you have on you, you can spread to all enemies for a whopping 60 will. That does sound strong, but where do I go in this zone? How do you progress through this game? I fall down a hole covered by a birdcage and pneumatophore across the ceiling of the room I mentioned earlier. I walk a path made of white meringue to reach a button in front of a large statue of a biped, but the head is the same of those strange stone balloon animal sphinxes I've seen outside. I press the button and follow its pink cord through the zone to reach the room with the blue force field path, but this time the force field is gone. I advance deeper into the room and pick up the bridge key. I find the console in need of a bridge key and use it. The bridge in front of me, which originally dipped down like a penis in a flaccid state, turns upwards and straight like a penis in an erect state. If I check the console again, the bridge goes flaccid again. I re-arouse the bridge and advance along it. At the end, I fail a skillful pneumatophore maneuver and fall into the lower of two entrances to the large structure in the zone's northeast corner. I go into this lower door. I find a multi-soul sponge and a refrigerator. I must attempt the jump again. Next time, I make it to the upper area and pass between two stone balloon animal sphinxes to arrive at what looks like the entrance to a temple, based on its row of riveted columns that look like they were piped out of a baker's frosting bag. In the first room, there are groups of non-aggressive cultists pathing around aimlessly in front of a blue force field wall. There are two holes on this side of the force field. One is a trampoline and the other drops me into a cavernous lower level. In this lower room I follow a pink cord to a button which I depress. There's also a treasure chamber here with bones of all kinds of colors and two sarcophagi that give me a tendril hand and a soul sponge I think it was. I go back to the other trampoline and it bounces me to an exterior room in the upper level. Another sarcophagus has a looped dome in here, a defensive item. Its stats are crazy, lots of flesh and makes you immune to squeeze and dissolute statuses both of which are debuffs to snap and gesture power, but comes with a HUGE speed penalty. I put this on Samsnosa, who I believe is my best mage. Beyond the blue force field is a large sarcophagus circled by several cultists. I dash between them to check the sarcophagus, but nothing happens. Maybe I have to clear all these jokers out first, but they are not aggressive to me. I talk to these cultists. They all talk nonsense, but of course they do, always referring to this Hylum Xylum, whatever that means. Some also talk about using Hylum Xylum for violence. There seems to be multiple Hylum Xylums too. For example, one of these cultists says the Hylum Xylum steals ex Hylum Xylum in my insectful Hylum Xylum. The fuck? Oh, there's more to this room. Past the large sarcophagus are two creatures. One has a blue frog-like face and wears a flowing red robe and has its hands held high as if presiding over a ceremony. The other figure is a stout horned golem made of strips of shiny blue pleather. I recognize this guy. Was this the wrench-looking suit thing that Cartoon Wayne jumped into at the end of the first platforming section? Frogface says, Since the moon was trashed, long have I sought the remnant Gibulet, dreamt of its reconstitution. 
It isn't lost on me that this game pulls lots of references to the moon. Wayne, our moon-headed leading man, shares its name with the phase of the moon when it's going progressively dark. And so too does Vuax, because Wax is also a phase of the moon, describing the phase where it goes progressively full. And Lord Gibby must also be a reference to a gibbous moon, which describes a moon that is more than half full and can be waxing or waning in that moment. But Wayne claps back with, Reconstitutions proscribed. Prepare your gloves. Frankface gets the final word before the boss fight breaks out. You'd test your amateurish gestures against Odozir, master of Foglast. You will all become a foundation for the Highland Xylem. Commence the combats. We are in a fight with these two creatures. Odozir is Frogface, and Karsoro is the golem. I go hard on Odozir. Lightning and triple soul crispers. Karsoro autos for 50, or just under a quarter health of any given ally. Odozir casts Temporal Wasting, which also deals about 50 and slows. Next we snap, snap, snap Odozir's ass. He casts Lightning and is stunned. Seems like a good opportunity to burn him down. I care not for my teammates' health and do not restore it. I am on the offensive until one of these two go down. When Odozir dies, all the color drains from his figure and he melts into gray goop. Karsoro now has permanent fast and angry status effects, meaning he hits twice per turn and harder than ever. I throw stem cells on my party, which gives health and regeneration. When Karsoro hits next, it's for 80 and twice. When Samsnosa lays the burn on Karsoro, he resists it. Uh-oh. One snap later and his protective pleather armor peels off, revealing a fleshy, intestiny, yarny interior. Can we nuke him now? Yes! The burninate works this time, but we have more than 370 health to go through yet. Corsoro whips Wayne and applies leaking and vulnerable to our moon-headed hero. This seems like a good opportunity to lay that Link Mollusk skill on him in return, but Wayne doesn't have enough will to do so. One burrito gets his health and will up, and a dubious berry also restores more will, but applies poison onto Wayne as well. So my intention here is to hit Corsoro with all three status effects next turn. It's Wayne's turn and... wait a second. Where did the skill go? Is this someone else's skill? What the fuck? I can't cast the ability now. Did I reload the wrong save state as I have been pneumatiforming around the zone? I'm confused. Anyways, we endure big incoming burst damage from that vomitous ability gizzard spoom. It's disgusting. After several more snaps, one desperate usage of multi-soul sponge, which revives all dead party members as a series of blue spirits hover over us. He dies. An undulating puddle quivers on the floor where Odozir once stood. It says, Blub blub, you're too late. The ritual cannot be stopped. Blub blub. Now the golden sarcophagus in the previous room is bucking around in place, and blue crackles of lightning rip up and down it. I check it, and the sarcophagus radiates blue beams of light, then opens gently. Inside is a slim, bipedal creature with red skin, a face as flat and circular as a watercracker, and includes a small wane head on top of its face as if it were a toy Vikings cap. We are suddenly in combat with it, and I have not saved my game. This is Gibby Redivivius, some sort of larval form of our big baddie, let's say. I have no idea. When it attacks, it hurls a bundle of dynamite and explodes into several rings of micro-mushroom clouds. This devastates my crew. But instead of the typical game over screen, we zoom out to a wide shot of Foglast. Or, I think it's Foglast? I don't know. I rarely have an established sense of place in this game. Regardless, this castle-like structure shakes in place, crackles with blue lightning, and then three Three tendrils with claws at their ends rise up into the upper atmosphere. Up here, above the clouds, a pink intestiny yarny tower forms, then encrusts with architecture. This is a floating castle, more or less. Then the top of the tower radiates waves of pink and red energy around it. We cut to New Muldle, and several locals are gathered to watch the commotion in the sky. The energy waves pass over them, and they transform into hideous bipedal tentacle monsters. We, on the other hand, reappear in the afterlife and experience no corporeal changes. In the afterlife, there are tendrils rising out of the surf here. So. Was that castle that the tendrils came out of from the afterlife? I don't know. I use the cave key here and pass through a gate. Down here is a green couch and a series of TVs melted into the wall. I check the TV and it teaches me a new skill, Teledenduate. Which cleanses negative statuses from one ally and most positive statuses from one enemy for 40 will. We take a bath in the clawfoot tub, tender meat, then take the fondue portal back to Foglast because I really want to get that skill back. The Link Mollusk skill? It takes me a bit of time to remember how to get there, but I find it. I pay the 300 bones for the TV remote, watch TV for a skill, save game, leave Foglast, board the airship. On the world map, I can see a new landmass. Those wiry tendrils holding up a few landmasses and the castle atop one of them are here now. 
well above the surface of the ocean and even above the cloud line. This landmass even comes with an airship landing pad. How convenient. The story quest prompt in my menu is telling me to go to Hylum Xylem and confront Gibby. This floating continent must be the Hylum Xylem, but I'm not ready to go to Hylum Xylem. I feel like checking out New Muldo first and see what's happened to the denizens there. Yes, most creatures here are transformed into even more abstract post-human nightmares than they already were. And is it any surprise that they talk even crazier than they did before? I speak with the locals. One says, visibly steel tooths that delicately forget season. Another says, delicately but vainly liquefy this big fat. Another says, near the good, a noise's extension tries a foam. Another says, fate is another's, but one extrudes a liquid crowd. Another says, they perceive the wandering coma and is never a hallowed chemical. Another, silk, spot, the shriveled run. Another, a plan is ours and it actualizes a noble animal. Yep, we ain't stopping, let's keep going. Another says, usurp one's coma, don't understand the feeling. And another, with one's spot, your hope's animal blasts this passion. And another, when they bounce amidst its struggle, they notice idea is incomplete of memory. And then another, far beyond a cave, our furniture totally morphs a person. They are all slappable. <laughs> now I know what you're thinking, but I mean, I can slap them for hell. They explode into pink and yellow sparkling goop and give flesh and will when you do. Actually, I I think because they're bigger than the little guys on the ground, they restore my party to full. The shopkeepers are also transformed, but will still sell me things. The Wayne larvae here also remain untransformed. Maybe I should check the Wayne house after visiting New Moldo. But first, how is our pal Blairall doing? He's transformed too, but he doesn't think he is. He says the Hylum Xylem cursed this land, and only anyone of royal blood was spared from transformation. You look pretty transformed to me, mate. How about that guarded treasure vault? The guard is also transformed, and I slap him into confetti goop and enter the vault. Up a pink staircase are piles and piles and piles of bones, including the funny-looking red coins. Spinning in the center of the room is a red, skull-shaped bomb with a braided rope fuse. I acquire Skull Bomb. The tooltip says, too heavy to be used in tactical situations. Surely someone has a use for it. I can't imagine who. One treasure chest has a telescopic sleeve, another an organ fort. The telescopic sleeve is an equipable glove that gives good power and a ton of speed. The organ fort is an accessory that gives lots of flesh, some will, and a little power. I put both on Wayne. I depart for Wayne House and I think about what I might use this skull bomb for. Now, I should say it's very probable I can go to Hylum Xylem right now to confront Gibby, but I'm choosing not to to see what other content might be around the corner before I go. Wayne House ahoy! The adult Waynes are transformed, but the larvas are untouched. They say more ridiculous crap, like when you mow out of the heart, you understand semi-craft is domish for face. Or when I steal thanks to the road, I comprehend hum is vital above vessel. Or you depress but gather. Or rob for the liquid extension near the blue doubt. Or liquefy here in its revolving radar. Here in the weaponized mini tendency. Other transformed Waynes say things like a crystal to embrace life exalts, yet foolishly witness the chemical of fate. One says I decline to approach drill, and another says the show to thrum the stone burns, yet rapidly samples the mind of heart. <sighs> Finnegan's wake, eat your heart out. Even the elder Wayne, sitting atop Wayne House with that funny looking sun umbrella and cozy yoga mat, is transformed. He says they manifest or forget. There's not much here, and I leave the Wayne House. I call the airship and travel to the corporate looking building sitting alone on its tiny spit of land. The one with antennas sticking up out its top? Have I been here before? I don't think so, and I definitely don't recognize this music. TV set headed creatures wearing Technicolor dream coats are idling about here. One says, welcome pilgrims, the monitors is just up these stairs. Another says the real first monitor was of course lost in the accretion, but the antennas, all caps, we approach its wave once again. Hey, I have antennas in my inventory, 105 of them in fact. I find a fondue bath and step on its switch nearby. Another TV creature is standing on a stone staircase that runs up the side of this building, which gives this zone big ziggurat vibes. It says, the save's great broadcast towers boosted the power tenfold. Those magnificent spires were brought down in the crisping of emulam, and the antennas, also all caps, were scattered across the land. Oh, oh, so these antenna pickups I've been finding after every battle are for a side quest I didn't know I was really on. Another TV creature atop the ziggurat holding antenna 
receivers says, been collecting antennas, I see. I can take those off your hands. The next prompt says, 105 antennas given, current charge-up power, 60. Bring more antennas to increase charge-up's potency. Wayne answers, okay, I'll try, thanks. I don't know what this means. What is charge-up? Inside the ziggurat is one TV person looking at a large TV with two melted antenna spires that cover about half the display. The person says, charge is no mere power booster. Those who wield it may find their most familiar gestures granted unique enhancements. Ooh, okay, I wonder what these enhancements could be, but how do I know if I have enough antennas? The guy at the top didn't say. The TV zooms inwards, and blue noodle-like waves of energy beam up the TV and up its two antenna shafts. A prompt tells me I've learned another gesture called charge up. According to the tooltip, this grants charged status and integral abilities such as dissolution, foam armor, et al. gain enhancements. This is the first game I've ever seen that uses et al. Wow. So, where can I use this bomb? I review my notes from the Moldal visit. No clues. Well, no obvious clues. I cruise around the world on my ship, making mental check marks of the places I have or haven't been to. Okay, that's the place with the Alice in Wonderland maze, that's view axis edifice, and that's just a colossal intestinal tract lying over top the countryside. On the other side of the landmass that is home to Wayne House and New Maldal is an island that has a structure I don't recall visiting. I can see the island is joined to the Wayne House landmass by a white bridge of deliberate engineering. Well above the island's surface is a coil of cables that point downward through some platforms and down into the ocean. Is this like an oil dike? Let's check it out. But before I do, I realize I can go inside the airship. The airship has an internal map that I can walk around in. Water cooler, hey! It boosts my will by 25 points, that's a lot. My crewmates are here, pathing around like as if they're NPCs. I feel like I know so little about these folks, so maybe this is a chance to talk with them and reveal more about their character. Samsonosa strolls by first. Wayne prompts here with, dig the new hat. Is that from a post dog? I assume that is a reference to the spiky skull on her head. She says, the ranch attracts beasts like post dogs and that the, quote, bicorn was getting stale. So the bicorn was her old helmet and the post dog skull is her new helmet. Did she wear a bicorn hat in Hylix 1? Maybe, and I don't even know what a bicorn is and I don't dare attempt to imagine it. Did Osmond is sitting on a buttercream colored couch with a bubblegum pink backrest. Wayne initiates the conversation, which seems like a funny comment to make because usually when you speak to an NPC, it's the NPC that speaks first. Wayne says, new haircut? This is a comment to a thing whose head is just two horns. Dedesmond responds with, no, it's a seasonally occurring lamellar structure. So it grows like a skin that he sheds, like a snake skin or antler velvet? Wayne talks to Pongorma. He says the sages' gesture would ensure Lord Gibby's destruction but it was buried deep in the subterrain. Hey, that oil rig thing was pointed into the subterrain. I must be on the right track. I guess I'm looking for a sage down there who has something useful for the fight against Gibby. I arrive. There are non-aggressive galliforms here. Those were the huge mutant chickens. The zone shakes occasionally too. That's pretty suspicious. Up several sets of stairs is a platform in which I can see an enormous drill ramming into the subterranean earth, spinning violently as it crashes into the seafloor, which is what's making the whole place tremble, and then slowly disengages the drill bits to ram it again. In front of it is a different hole not occupied by colossal machinery and I jump down this hole. Inside, there are small groups of non-aggressive tyros walking along platforms that surround the drill bit hole. Again, we can see the drill down here. This must be where these creatures operate the drill. A tall, faceless, bipedal creature with a red, raven-like beak and wearing a cloak of blue and yellow stripes is surprised that I have a skull bomb on me, and that with it, the excavation may be completed. Wayne supposes it's okay to give them the bomb. The thing invites me to, quote, toss it in. And so we do. We watch the skull bomb tumble down a hollow shaft, bouncing and bumbling as its fuse sparks. The bomb explodes and we can see a column of dust shoot upwards from the top of the chute we threw it down. The drill bit column no longer has its drill bit piercing it. It's just any other hole now. This is an invitation to jump down. This place is a labyrinth that we navigate from first-person perspective. First-person perspective. It's like Doom, but we don't glide from one room to another. We simply advance forward a few steps at a time or turn in a 90-degree direction. This makes it impossible to make snap reactions. Anyways, this room has white piped frosting decorative columns and highly detailed walls of stone etchings that evoke a sense that we are inside of a temple. On the opposite side of the room is a false wall which, when I select it, slides backwards and breaks apart into pink mush. A scary looking monster, slim, with shaking red hair from head to toe and bearing something like a crow's beak on its face, is pathing around another room. 
I fight it. It's two post dogs, a Tyro, a Limber Truculent, and its typical bizarre black and white zoot suit, and that red furry thing. It is a new enemy called a Coiffed Stalker. It likes to summon five purple ghosts before it vomits piles of wet needles on my crew. And it also likes to eat cupcakes. This encounter gives me yet another game over. Wayne is slain. Afterlife, cleanse, tender meat, back in the labyrinth. This time I avoid that room, which was right of the first room. So I go left instead. I see a ladder on a wall above a pit and I fall down it into a basement area. Down here I find a ladder back up to another area of the main floor also patrolled by horrific coiffed stalkers. I manage to avoid this one and discover another false wall that opens into a room whose floor, ceiling, and walls are all ugly tangles of intestines. I'm seeing several white Tyro statues throughout this labyrinth, and there are four in this small intestine room. Some have their eye open, some of their eye closed. I climb a ladder only to drop down into the main level again. Basically back at the beginning, but I find the labyrinth's fondue warp. I'm at a loss of where to go next, so I think I do have to maybe get into these fights to advance through the labyrinth. I pick a fight with a coiffed stalker. It and its squad defeats my group a second time. Wayne is slain and I am zero for two for fights in this place. According to the fondue tender, this place is called the Sage's Labyrinth. I'm back here again, and I find a false wall and a stalker charges me, but I manage to evade it and run into the arms of another coiffed stalker. This group is just a Sillimbog coiffed stalker and a creature I haven't seen before called a Nonconformist, which is quite a name for a creature in this game. He's a crab-faced bipedal strumming a rocket launcher with red gloves, and the rocket launcher has squid tentacles for a barrel. It heaves in place like as if it's in the middle of a guitar solo. The Nonconformist charges up for a turn, then fires a photon grape shot that deals damage to all crew members. I'm in a fight with another Koi Stalker, and he's got a courtier near him, that goddamned healer. We burst him before anything else, and at the end of the battle, a lot of random shit is mine, including 170 bones, 8 pool wine, 8 meat, 5 antenna, plus cookies, burritos, and boots. Hey, I discover a new secret room in the basement, and I advance further into the labyrinth. I study a Stalker's movement before I skulk around it. Treasure chest, soul sponge, mine. Another false wall, this time it's a sarcophagus, which if it isn't golden in Gibby, is like any other treasure chest. Or, you know, refrigerator, whatever. I hug the right wall and break down two more false walls, one right behind the other. A stalker charges me. I escape its path, but as I watch it only patrols this one narrow hallway, so in order to see what's beyond I must take this fight, and so I do. No stalker in this battle, just a postdog Sillimbog and a bard-like nonconformist, and a new foe, a white largemouth bass with orange stripes on its fins called a Carassius. I find it amusing that I have to really stretch the limits of the English language to describe the figure of these extremely abstract enemies I encounter, and then we meet Carassius and it's like... That's a fish. Treasure room beyond. I find lots of treasures including cookies and multi coffee which gives will to all crew members and also cleanses sleep and lagging statuses. You also find a tarp which prevents all negative statuses at the cost of negative 50 speed. Oh my god, a ladder to a ladder points me to a big fat light switch. I flip that switch, the wall doesn't melt like the others but slides backwards. This exposes a new room to the right which is heavily patrolled by at least three stalkers. I dodge them all and find another false wall concealing a sarcophagus holding a peptide bodkins what the fuck is that? Well, it's a weapon. Normal attacks inflict poison. The tooltip also includes some fun color text too. It says, Today, the peptide bodkins are spoken of only in whispers. Whatever that means. I put it on Pongo. After way too fucking long, I flip another light switch, which I thought I already flipped, and a huge chunk of wall slides forward several feet across the room. I find a third switch, flip it, get afraid that I've unflipped the second switch and I'll have to go around the maze all over again, but I discover a new pit I haven't fallen down yet. Then another pit. Deep down, there is a long hallway with piped frosting columns. I get partway through and everything stops. Something approacheth. It's a boss fight. This is a red convertible automobile driven by a humanoid in red with a yellow tentacled seahorse riding shotgun. The car is joined by two highway flames at its flank. What the hell is this? Wayne charges up. Pongo snaps poison at the car. Soms lays on the wave artifice. Dedusselman heals Pongo. Wayne soul crisps the car. The right fleam spontaneously explodes and deals AoE damage to my crew. The roadster runs over my team doing AoE damage and puts the weakness status on everybody, meaning you take double damage on the next attack. We recover with a group cupcake break. This thing, called the Motor Hunter, has a single target attack that hits for 130, but the Desmond survives. Several victory snaps later, we destroy the Motor Hunter. I get bones, antenna, meat, and multi-coffee. This boss is easier than some of the first mob groups in this zone. Surprising. In the aftermath of the fight, I flip one last switch and we cut to a quick cutscene of a new landmass rising out of the ocean. Is this it? Can I leave now? 
This place stresses me out. Behind the switch that created the island is a sarcophagus with a cloud germ and a shortcut to the entrance. I pick up my airship, but where's this new island? Holy shit, it's floating in the atmosphere. This isn't an island. This is a ship. I recall the words of a floating head in New Muldal saying that it and its wife were stranded on the surface when the sage's great ship called Distharln Moon was buried. This must be that ship. I have to chase the ship around the sky as it paths in the upper atmosphere. When I make contact to it, we leave the overworld and go into the ship's walkable areas. I'm still on my original ship, and there is no gangway between the two ships. I have to make a daring new metaphor dash to board. When I do, I see that the ship has wood slat floors and orange banisters. In the interior, an enormous red head says, in this flying hall are stored the treasures of the sages. I suppose I could part with some for a price. He opens a shop, single gloves for 500, which has good power and speed, converter worm, which converts 5% health, each turn to 10% will, and an organ fort for 300. I buy two gloves, one worm, and two forts. A wane-shaped statue with a blue cord running from it is a receptacle for a sage token. But alas, we are tokenless. In an upper level, a line of silver bones points me to another interior room with more floating heads. One says tokens from the three sages are needed to power the TV. Another says the surviving sages hid themselves. There's one sage in Vuax's edifice, another under the fortress at Foglast, and a third in the halls which recently held this ship, meaning the sages' labyrinth, I presume. Another head says it was hoped that a terrible power of bombogenesis would never be needed. Even higher up the ship, I see the powered-off TV which the sage token receptacles are meant to power. It seems I need three sage tokens to turn on this TV. I return to the sage's labyrinth. I don't want to be here. I never want to return here, but I just completed it and I'm feeling more in tune with its internal map now more than ever. So let's just get it over with. I flip what I think is the second switch again, fall down a nearby hole, come up again, and now I can walk atop the wall that just moved. There's a small room with a blue door that needs a deep key which I recovered from that second platforming level with the baby cartoon Wayne. I use the deep key, and the door opens. I climb several ladders and reappear in a normal, isometric map. What I mean is no longer in first-person mode. Hey, I recognize this guy. This is the creature that Wayne turned into at the end of the second Xeno Arcadia sequence. He's the guy with the tube disembodied arms and the skull head, green body sitting on a blue and white striped lawn chair under a rainbow-colored sun umbrella. Regardless, I talk to it. He says he's the Sage of Satellites and gives me a Sage's token, a single glove, and reminds me that with all three tokens, we can turn on the ancient TV monitor. Can we leave now? I use the mini crystal and warp to Wayne House. Where else were the other Sage tokens? Foglast and Vuax's edifice. I climb every mountain and plumb every tunnel in the edifice and I find nothing. Well, I do find a tunnel well out of the way near the top. Several daring pneumatophore dashes later, I successfully reach the stone outcropping I'm looking for and hop down a hole. Down we go. Here is a field of holes each of which have different numbers of several variations of tentacle plants that pop up out of the ground as I near the hole. I go down one. I respond at the canoe at the base of the edifice and have to climb and jump all over again. Please, Hylix. There are a hundred holes in that room, maybe more. Am I supposed to trial and error this? No trial and error. I look up the answer on YouTube because this is a waste of time. Uh-oh. Why is the game over music playing? I didn't get a game over and who are you guys? Cheater, and I'm Pumpkin Eater! Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. We show off to punish people who cheat in their video games! What? No, there's no cheating going on here. Hey! Hey! Let me out! Let me out! I feel sucker! Do you hear something? No, no, I don't hear anything. Why are there sounds coming out of the fridge? No, don't, don't open that! You know what? I'm not afraid of you. What are you doing in the fridge? He trapped me in there. That's no good. That'll make her angry. You're dang right I'm angry. You're gonna get it this time. What? We're going to take your right elbow and your left elbow. Now hold still. Hey! Come back here with my elbows! You can get them back when you finish a game without dying. And without cheating! Yeah! What? Bye bye, bye, bye Mr. No, no Elbows! elbows. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! My poor elbows! I'm coming back for you! I hope nobody notices. Okay, we have a game to finish and I think I learned my lesson. I reappear on a platform atop a sea of pink ooze. I climb a structure and find a floating head keeping himself comfortable with a fridge and comfortable chair nearby. It claims to be the Sage of Monitors and grants me its boon. 
one sage token, and a converter worm, and reminds me of the power awaiting me when I get all three tokens. I raid his fridge for multi-juice, then mini crystal to Wayne House. Foglast ahoy! I return to Odozir's temple in the northeast of the Foglast zone. I drop down one of the holes and navigate a familiar cave area. I run too fast and go out of bounds, but it's all good because this is the secret path I'm meant to be looking for. Sprouting tentacle plants escort me out of bounds again and into the darkness. I follow the plants into the black as more and more plants pop up. Then I fall into an unseen hole. I'm spit out of the temple's lower entrance. Damn, I must avoid these invisible holes in the darkness. By the way, the trial and error nature of this game is really dragging me down. This time, I make a point to walk precisely on top of the largest plants because we can assume the invisible holes are not also exactly on top of them. This works, but I get caught in a circle of plants. This must be a dead end. I turn back and discover where I didn't notice the fork in the path. I take the fork. Eventually, I leave the black garden for a staircase. Atop is a hideous three-fingered claw with yellow nails, a blue tail, and two arm-like stalks that hold up a bow-tie-shaped appendage with six blue and yellow tentacles of their own. I speak to this monstrosity. I am the Sage of Accretions. I bestow my goods upon you. Sage token, bottomless juice, and reminder of the power. I speak to it one more time and it says something interesting. A great gesture may oppose Gibby, but accretions place it beyond our reach and embolden his agents as they seek reconstitution. I should look up this fucking word, accretion. Okay, so it basically means growth. Whatever. Small crystal to Wayne House, an airship to the sage ship. I insert the first sage token, which apparently means I place an undulating yellow slug into the saddle of the Wayne statue's moon-shaped head. I place the other two tokens and turn on the Wayne-shaped TV. I learn Bombogenesis, a gesture that must be charged in order to be used. It does huge damage to all enemies according to the crew's current will divided by 100. So I can issue a colossal nuke that will leave me completely manaless and could be even stronger if I deliberately bulk up my team's will values. Interesting. Is it time to fly to Hylum Xylum and confront Gibby? Yes, I think so. I fly to Hylum Xylum and land on its landing pad. A few steps beyond is the entrance to a new zone. We're not at Gibby's palace just yet. This zone will almost surely be a test of jumping and new metaphor dashing between the trace floating islands that join the airship landing pad to the palace. Or perhaps Gibby's palace will be part of the zone in the same way that Odozir's temple was part of the Foglast zone. I advance past two human-headed chicken statues with a flat Gibby face sitting on top. The tile set here is the same usual Dolly's sunburned wasteland covered in a billion pockmarks on the ground and a few shrubs. Past the duo of statues, I enter an atrium where one of those talking mutants that now occupy New Maldol says, Vex its weapon, refuse to notice an engine. Hmm. One of those creepy red fuckers from View Axis Edifice charges me. First battle, and it's over, no problem. Another Gibby-formed mutant mutant says, Without our doom, a person heedlessly heathers our peril. And a third, With a apparel, its engine's radar soaks its tendency. Okay. A fondue fountain burbles nearby, but I cannot teleport through it. It must have some other purpose. A fourth mutant says, With one's TV, a totally sphere-like truth remembers our peril. These guys are obsessed with fresh looking duds and must visit my sister's Poshmark store post haste. I trudge through and nearly sink in a mire of ground beef to acquire a golden upper chamber key. Nice. Well, let's try to go upper then. I turn around and go another direction and find another burbling fondue with a switch. This is the teleport fondue. The first one was not. In another fight, I encounter a new enemy, a foliated, which is a blue horse-like tentacle face thrashing in a net of noodle-like orange tubes that go in and out of several unexplainable orifices as a tiny coral-colored creature dances in place below it. And I destroy this creature. Past the fondue fountain is a large door in the shape of an angry red face. The upper chamber key opens this door and it splits from the center, but I don't go in. To the right of this door is a Terry Gilliam animation-style hand that points me to a metaphor course miles and miles above the ocean surface, which I nail on my first try. One fight later, I enter the palace through a side entrance behind a humanoid statue with a single stony wing. There's a banana, a trampoline, and more talking weirdos, one of which is a shop that sells muscle epleeks. I load up on muscle epleeks. I've been sitting on a few too. Now I have eight of them. I put them all on Pongo, my poison-fisted snap daddy. I turn around and through the red face I go. Atrium. Weird statue. 
blue force field blocking the way. No cord to chase though. Another couple of human-headed chicken statues watch a door spill pink slime down a cliff. Elsewhere, I pick up a ductile habit, which is a wearable that reduces damage to its wearer by 25% and also gives some flesh. I drop down a nearby hole that puts me on the other side of the force field. I flip a switch which pops off the top of a nearby statue and begins to spill slime. A prompt tells me the reservoir below has been drained. Well, let's check it out. I return to that reservoir and all the ground beef is drained out of it. There's a burrito down here and another chest holding a tarp. A hole in the reservoir drops me into another area with golden sarcophagi and another statue with a maybe poppable head. The sarcoph is empty, but the switch nearby pops that thing's head off and the upper reservoir is now drained. That first burbling fondue fountain isn't burbling anymore, so I drop down that thing's hole. New area. Sarcophagus has a psychic knuckle which gives power plus 30. That is huge! I put it on Pongo, swapping out the poison knuckle for more raw strength. Let's hope it works out. This is not the way forward though, so let's get back to the palace area. I pass many more speaking monstrosities, but I don't speak to them. I don't really care what they say anymore. It feels like random nonsense. Even though I'm sure there are secret hidden nuggets in there, I just I don't care anymore. I find the other drained area. There are three burritos in here. I take them all. I go down another funnel and then another. Golden key. This is the vessel room key. Hmm. Well, let's take this to the palace. At the very top is another angry red-faced door. It wants the vessel room key. I feed it to the face who splits in half, granting me access. A trampoline bounces me to a colossal kettle with Gibby sitting neck deep in the pink ground beef fondue froth. Floating in the froth is a yellow rubber ducky with a blank Wayne face on it. Nice touch. I talk to Gibby. Behold the heart of the renewed Hylum Xylum fueled by the terrestrial juices, we will forge an improved zone. To which Wayne says, Gibby, emerge from that vessel. The Hylum Xylum was a failure. Only now does the accretion's long dark age begin to subside. But Gibby says you were not even a larva when that prior xylem formed. Had you witnessed it, you would not malign it so. I forgive you for destroying my satellite. From this world's matter, I'll produce a better one and perhaps even allow you a space there. Samsonosa jumps in. You'd mulch this entire zone? I just got a new ranch set up. Dedesmond says, So many artifacts remain hidden from us. You'd rob us the joy of uncovering them? Gibby says, Spare me your trivialities, Pongorma. You witnessed the empire of the sages. Only through my work here can such grandeur again be realized. Pongorma shrugs its shoulders and says, Alas, I become habituated to this shabby planet. And then Gibby says, Very well, there is no need for verbal debate. I have bathed in the terrestrial juice. Witness my omnipotence. Wayne screams, at Gibby and we fight. In battle, Gibby is sauntering towards our crew with his medallion-like face and wane-shaped crown. Humanoid hands and feet wriggle at me as a collection of floating, dried-out pieces of viscera assemble together as if they were a body. Wayne and Samsonosa charge up. Pongorama punches for 56, which reveals he has 999 health. The punch pops out a piece of the viscera, which is now its own creature, called a progeny. A progeny. If I learned anything in this game, it's that focused damage is supreme, so I stay focused on Lord Gibby. Didazmon pool winds Pongo, which basically makes him berserk until he's compelled to fall asleep. Wayne issues a charged up crisper for 70 damage. Samsnosa launches the Bombo Genesis. In the animation, Samsnosa lays out four mollusks onto the field, which creates a blue explosion and deals 120 damage to all foes. It kills the progeny, and Gibby is down to three quarters health. but we are all out of will. Everybody is out of will. Pongorma snaps a pool wind snap for 74 damage. To Desmond, suddenly my team's medic hands out coffee to my crew, which gives them lots of will all at once. Wayne lays on a follow-up coffee break, and my team is back to full will. Samsonosa charges another bombo. Pongo snaps for 43. To Desmond hands a burrito to Wayne, who is dissolute on account of having a meat computer dropped on his head. Wayne snaps Gibby for 43, and there are now four progenies, one of which is charging something. Oh great, it's Samsonosa's turn again. She lays down the Mollusk Nuke a second time. All progeny die and Gibby has 460 health left. Less than half. Pongo snaps for 43. Gibby drops another meat computer on Wayne's head. Dedozmon and Wayne pour drafts of coffee. 
Sansonosa charges a third time. Pongo snaps for 43. The computer crashes onto Pongorma. At this point, two of the three progenies on the field are charging. Desmond snaps. Wayne does two. Now there are five progenies, but the third nuke from Sansonosa wipes them all out. Gibby has 119 health. We snap his ass. Three snaps and he's down to two health. Samsonosa scores the final snap. Gibby flashes and explodes into hallucinogenic donut-shaped bursts. But the progenies remain, and we have to finish them too. Wayne's got some multi-juice for the crew, and we all have a little more will. The cleanup is easy, and the fight is over. 999 bones, 999 meat. Hylum Xylum shakes and explodes in donuts tossing pieces of progeny into the air. Our team falls through the cosmos but lands on a stage? Like a performance stage. A neon display of Wayne's skull is our backdrop and a yellow flying V electrical guitar is waiting for me. There's a kettle drum on one side, an organ on the other, and all is silent. There is a crowd of gloved hands cheering, fist pumping, throwing devil horns, and head banging like as if the pit of hands from the Labyrinth movie all fucked off to a Mastodon concert. I pick up the guitar and instructions appear. All crew members take their place. Dedozmon is at the drums, Wayne's on guitar, Samsnosa has the mic stand, and Pongorma is on the keys. Different buttons cause each crew member to play. Everyone sort of plays the same note or series of eerie sounds, but Samsnosa sings something. And for as many times as I cue her up to sing, she says something different. Here are some of the lyrics to Samsnosa's song. Are you ready for some Finnegan's Wake shit? Because here we go. Soak our spirit and grimly speak dome. Sustain the trouble, don't perceive our radar. You recognized a flabby color is not the vital skill. Sun, the shining spirit. A fort indulge, a beast steers, yet mercifully ties a fountain of trouble. A passion to debase a ship gathers or foolishly actualizes the beast. Meteors never hydrate their chemical, ah, but so it goes. Our river to the bank, our ray orbits, but always becomes a delusion of season. Digest inside one's glum passion inside your youthful dog. Air, ray, your wandering hand. The act is mine, greatly. Show a anti-ship and always suffer fate. Outside of being, its grief delusion desires the patch. They comprehend either austere spot is opposed to another glorious person. Pardon radar outside the wheel, at the hope. Our coma to steer our mirror thrums and totally embraces your road of skeleton. When they see her down in another tendance, they perceive work is coerced thanks to tooth. They recognize another scale floor is never a fine glove. Levitate atop a used glove thanks to your youthful color. Utterly but rapidly render the weightless fountain. Above another dog, its act horribly stretches another fort. Castigate this day, don't notice your cave. Show, plan, our myriad mind. You understand a bad mind is not the flabby odor. And I'm done. There's more lyrics to this, but I, I can't sustain the nonsense anymore. I'm sorry, we have to move on. VUX drops onto the stage and apologizes for its behavior. It says that it was irresistibly compelled by Gibby's terrible power. Eventually, Blairall drops in too. I talk to him and he says, freed from the Hylum Xylum's influence, the people will surely be restored to their natural forms. You know what? Okay, actually there's more here, so we're gonna keep going. The face rocks of spell totally mechanize out of its dog. Drive wheel for the season despite its tooth. I sing, but sample. How surely that corrosion calls a fat, okay? For another dirt, that feeling rapidly embrace another feeling. The proto-ship tethers above product grimly psychic for that TV. Another field to consider, another meso-idea debates yet surely become the field of apparel. Intentionally or dryly vex a true being. Consider a tendance, decline to understand our fountain. Out of hand, another gland's wing avenges the hum. Debase a crowd, don't know a fat. You perceive a austere drill is opposed to one's noble beast. They perceive the evolved number is opposed to a austere being. Surely yet utterly consider my weightless beam. Down in a uh, extension, the verily glorious engine orbits our radar. Please, Mason, will this ever end? How partially their terror dog tries to tree. Thanks to corrosion, the memory's color sustain the coma. They refuse to view tooth. With its crown, an utterly elusive plant pertains a noise. Bounce one's odor and delicately change mind. Totally and surely consider this isolate grief. Amidst a chemical, its dirt corrosion rolls a stone. Another person is ours, but somebody ties a bad subray. Embrace our hand and mostly tie edge. A tendency to orbit a being becomes but surely rocks the beam of doom. A plan is another or someone's renders their televised dream. You know what? I'm done. 
I'm not convinced this isn't some RNG mishmash of words joke. I mash nonsense until Odozir shows up. He says, impossible. Hylum Xylum is annihilated, but I will gather my strength and forces shall rise. And then he says these words I don't understand. Not that I understand very much of this game. Larthalvul, perhaps Trelebozur. Are those the other Gibby types or Hylum Xylum like evil layers? The elder Wayne drops in and says, Wayne, you did as well as any of us could have hoped. Maybe someday you'll be old Wayne yourself. I leave the nightclub. When the lights go up, I realize it's surrounded by the vast pink sea I've come to know so well. I'm washed up on a shore as usual, like when I arrive in the afterlife. This island is different though. This isn't the afterlife, or Wayne's house. I cross a few spits of land and arrive at a large blue button. I press it, and the sky goes out. We cut to Wayne's head, eyes blissfully closed against a coral-colored sky as two gloved hands pinch him by his moon horns and slowly drag his body out of frame like as if in the arms of God. Next, a close-up of a black tube of toothpaste with a yellow cap in the shape of a wane head rests next to a blue toothbrush. An unseen force unscrews the cap and the tube squeezes pink goo onto the ground. As the tube pulls away, the puddle and cap together take the shape of a wane larva. The head turns to face the camera, then the screen splashes in brightly colored abstract shapes, less like a claymation creation and more like a painting. This wipes to a black screen of the Desmond's green-horned head, just his head, which unfurls and splits in the center like a pea pod releasing several pink worms that scatter into the darkness. The empty pea pod mashes into a ball, then reconstitutes into the shape of a warpo, that floating wane larva enemy that drank too much pool wine and can explode. We wipe to the abstract painting again, and now we're in first-person mode. Samsnosa is golfing, and cartoon platformer Wayne is her caddy, as a spear-holding rancher stands on a rhino-sized intestine, watching from the distance. The grass is green and the sky is blue. Gorgeous. Also gorgeous, the animation of Samsnosa drawing her club over her shoulder and swinging, striking the ball. We catch sight of a plane soaring overhead as the golf ball sails into the blue sky. We wipe to another painting, then get a close-up of the plane. Silver-bodied, yellow engines, Wayne head at the cockpit. It looks like a commercial passenger plane more than any other floating thing I've seen in this game yet. The plane banks left, then floats away. Next, several game foes in battle sprite form line up against the black screen and take a bow. Cave Sinist. Electrolan, Truculent, Roadflame, Silumbog, Tyro, Coifstalker, Mycetic, Warpo, Poolman, Galliform, Hand of Moodbleen, Squid, Bomalog Sands his homunculus, Postdog, Courtier, Nonconformist, Sowplit, Foliated, Feral Hydrostat, Coutured, and the fish Carassius. No final nods to the bosses, although some of them did join us for our nightclub gig. We wipe again and Pongorma dances for us in spectacular lo-fi mocap against a backdrop of ground beef. We wipe again, and far away we see a waned face-shaped TV set against a tangle of neurons. We close in on the TV, displaying random textures on the screen. Our familiar first-person black-gloved hand comes into the foreground from the lower right, presses its fingers together like it's about to snap, holds for a moment, then snaps. TV turns off and the hand fades away. Credits. Very simple. Very simple credits. A minion waves a palm frond on Gibby lounging in his chair, both set in black and white. Words in coral against a black background say, The End. Hylix 2, developed by Mason Lindroth, with music by Chuck Salamone. All rights reserved. Thanks for listening, everybody. This travelogue was an episode of Here with a Thousand Potions, a gaming podcast where my friend and I discuss the storytelling and gameplay of popular and niche RPGs. You can find Here with a Thousand Potions wherever you get your podcast fix. Special thanks to my niece Jasmine and nephews Jack and Jeffy for their voice acting talents. My name is Tyler, and I'm interested in hearing your feedback about this travelogue episode. Do you have a recommendation for doing another one? Leave a comment or email Hero with a Thousand Potions at gmail.com. That's one zero 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 potions. We're also on YouTube as the channel Gunblade Guys on Discord with a link you can find in the podcast description on our RSS feed, and we're also on Twitter. Thank you, and alas, I too have become habituated to this shabby planet. Now, let's see about those elbows. Elbows.